Halfway up near a vertical ravine in the Andes, someone carved an inverted V-shaped entrance into the mountainside. Then they sliced the bedrock with great precision to create a shallow door that goes nowhere. The same design appears in ancient Persia and Egypt. Then, for good measure, they carved an additional altar with three alcoves into an outcrop of blue stone. This sacred site is named Napahaka. You're listening to Casual History. Welcome back to another episode of Casual History. I'm here with Jacob once again, virtually, but we do have a better setup this time. We're excited to test it out. Hopefully, all goes to plan. Um, yeah. Say, how's it going, Jake? How are you doing? It's it's going good. Hopefully, this new setup works. Uh, I'm really happy with it, and I'm happy to keep improving it because this is gonna be really cool if we can be able to do this virtually. Yeah, uh, just to keep it safe if we needed to. Um, yeah. kind of kind of a proof of concept more than a, a necessity, I think this week. Jacob is safe. He he's tested negative for COVID twice now. I oh, think. Yeah. I think so, we're just being extra cautious. Yeah. You know. Um, I am which an is, asthmatic, which is a fun point of a, I guess, point of note for reason why we're being extra cautious. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, you always got to have the sturdy lungs. So um, that's right. I am bringing in the the topic today. And I have to say off the top, it's a bit of a rope-a-dope <laughs> to use that yeah. term. I've also heard it's a, it's a big one. It's a biggie. It's a big one, and this is going to be a two-parter. There's oh, no okay. doubt about it to me that there's so much information here that I can't, yeah. uh, that it connects to another story that I want to get into, and that'll be the part two. Um, okay. But for the first part, um, right, you, you heard the intro. We're go- It's going to be touching on this mystery in the Andes. And it's kind of how it unraveled for me, this whole story. And just to kind of give a bit of a preface. So I started doing some research on topics to get into. Um, and I followed quite a few different Facebook pages of just history yeah. groups. Um, and also just YouTube videos <laughs> and documentaries and things I've thought of before. And this touched on, again, I didn't know it was going to touch on this, but it touched on something that I've brought up multiple times in our podcast and it's touched yes. on multiple phases of interest that I've always had and have been getting deeper into. Um, you have, you've mentioned this, I believe if you're, if we're talking about the same thing um, we've mentioned this in previous podcasts because I, even in my subjects um, I've brought it up as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, we were going to touch on that, and I'm leaving that a mystery, whatever that is, although it's not going to be a mystery for long. So what I'm going to do is, this is kind of how I'm going to phrase this, so this is kind of a, uh, a good intro for those who are listening. We're going to start off, I'm going to talk about Viracocha, okay? And he's a big player. Yeah. He's the creator god of the Incas, right? It was their kind of deity, their all-knowing god, okay? okay. Um, and then it's going to touch back into this this mystery in the Andes called the Napahaka. Um, and then we're going to get into deeper, more so on Viracocha and the similarities that he has to other people in the world, to other significant prophets and how maybe they're the same person. And by the same person, I'm talking big person. It could, we'll, we'll get into it. There's a lot to get into, okay. <laughs> but uh, just, uh, do you know much about Viracocha? Kocha, Jake, have you done any kind of, uh, I don't know what you've I, maybe read before. I have never heard of that name in my life. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. So well, good to know. I know nothing. Perfect. That's where we're going to start off. Okay. And then yeah. we'll go from there. So if you're ready, let's take the journey. Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right. Everyone out there listening, I hope you stick with me because it will all connect, connect and I'm going to get to everything I can, I promise. Um, but to start, background on Veer Kocha for those who don't know. Like I said at the top, uh, in quotes, I've saw this is kind of what he's known as, right? The great creator god of the Incas, okay? Um, he's okay. considered the supreme creator, um, and he was rev- revered as the patriarch god in pre-Inca Peru, okay? His name mm-hmm. was so sacred that it was rarely spoken aloud, and Viracocha is part of the rich, multicultural, multi-religious lineage and cosmology of, cre- of creation myth gods. So, such as 
Allah, Teshiva, um, and a brief sampling of creation myth texts reveal uh, a similarity amongst them. Okay. Right. Um, so he's he's one amongst them, or he's from where those are derived. It's just the same, I guess, uh, category, right? Where the creation oh, gods. Okay. He's kind of the god of cre- like their creation god. Um, so right. in their in their culture, he's known as you know Shiva in another god, right? They, that's their creation god. Um, Allah in another. You know, everyone has their own. Um, I guess creation god. This is kind of the original for them. Okay. Right. And so just like it the same similar as like the Bible, um, right? In the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness, right? He drew everything into being. That was the kind of the text from the Bible. Um there's right. text from uh the Japanese, which is for the creation god, which goes when heaven and earth began, three deities became um came into being, the spirit master, the center of heaven, and the August wondrously producing spirit, right? Um, and mm-hmm. then another one uh, from, uh, this is Gaia, which goes, in the beginning there was chaos, the abyss, out of it first emerged Gaia, the earth, which is the foundation of all. Um, so basically that's what we're talking about when we're talking about Virkocha. That's their level of creation, right? It's the God that created everything. Um, right, it's their, yeah, it's their origins where they believe like the one being who created their existence. Yeah, the start of it all. Yeah. And so... These texts, like I just mentioned, as well as most creation myths, regardless of origin, uh, are centered on the common idea of a powerful deity or deities creating what we understand to be life in all its many aspects. And legendary Viracocha is the god of creation of ancient South American cultures and a symbol of humans, uh, their human capacity to create, destroy, rebuild, and is firmly rooted in creation mythology themes. So okay. just that's the summary, nice little wrap up there of what yeah. Viracocha is and kind of how it's um, he is or she is thought of. Um, and so <laughs> there's so much here. It's, um, so go on, Jeff. Yeah, I'm going to just keep going on. Tell me when to stop, interrupt me if I'm too no, I heard, winded. I heard in the, in the opening there's uh, some weird, you know, tunnel area with, you know, uh, cavern open yeah we're like, no we're, we're touching back on nowhere that. what's with that we're touching that? back on that we're touching back on that i'm just giving uh, okay. a big i'm doing a whole circle okay imagine ah, a figure eight okay. and then it's all gonna make a figure eight, <laughs> figure eight. Okay. so uh, right legend tells us that the pre-mortal mortal viracocha emerged out of lake titicaca one of the most beautiful and spiritual bodies of water in the world which is located mm-hmm. next next to Tiwan, uh, tiwanaka um, the epicenter of ancient pre-Hispanic South American culture. It's believed location of spiritual secrets found in the Andes. Now, Viracocha is intimately connected with the ocean and all water um, and with the creation of two races of people, a race of giants who were eventually destroyed by their creator, uh, with some being turned into, into enormous stones, believed to still be present at Tiwana- Tiwanaka. Okay? Ooh, that's cool. Um, yeah, kind Actually, of that's interesting. That's very interesting uh, because, you know, when you hear about the Bible, talk about giants as well, and yeah. uh, different. Like again, that bleeds over into other uh, creation stories. I just find that very interesting. Giants would be an interesting deep dive because I know it's a myth, right? But sure. there's so much talk of giants throughout history. I just think it would be an interesting deep dive. We should make a note of that. And um, I don't know enough about uh, other religions to know whether it's in their religious texts as well. But the fact that it's the Bible too is uh very interesting to me yeah and wonder where you know whether that was you know metaphorical or um based off of some like scrap of truth or it it wasn't true at all i don't know i'm just interested to uh yeah i don't know i I do know that uh that um you know everything was bigger years and years ago right that's the whole thing with animals and chickens used to be dinosaurs you know all that that lineage of uh (laughs) Small insects That's, become it were big yeah. ones. So who knows? Maybe we did have an ancestor that was uh, huge. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but so essentially, uh, Viracocha, so again, I'm just touching on this. He reemerged uh, from Lake Titicaca to create the race most associated with humans. This is kind of after the fact of right, the he giants. He emerged from the lake as in like he just like came up glistening from yep. Essentially, just walked up upon and his shores. There, but there's another interesting fact there that it was after a great flood. Um, but oh. we'll get into that. So um, he then created 
what most associated with humans as we understand them today. This is, again, going off of the legend there. And satisfied right. with his efforts, Virkoch embarked on an odyssey to spread his form of gospel, civilization, from the arts to agriculture to language, the aspects of humanity that are shared across cultures and beliefs. Okay? Yeah. Um, and while yeah. written language, this is an important thing to note, was not part of the Incan culture, the rich oral and non-linguistic modes of record-keeping sustained with mythology surrounding Viracocha as the supreme creator of all things. Right, um, so just passing down of stories. Yeah, um, and a lot of that, yeah, what, what we have is from chroniclers from the Spanish who came over and wrote down mm-hmm. a lot of the history of what they were being told of their, right, the Incans, like you said, mythology and lore and their gods that they know of. Um, sure. And so... Um, that's kind of the touch on Viracocha, okay? That gives you a good okay. overview to go forward. <laughs> yeah, he was a so, god, glistening, came up from a lake. Yeah, Earth. and I, but I do want to mention that the Incans had their peak of power, I think it was 1400 to 1500 on BC. Okay. Um, so that's, or is it AD? I can't, shoot, I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, I'll hit it at later, sorry. But this is thought to be long before them as well. So that from the tribes, this god creation myth was long before the peak and power of the Incan Empire um, that kind of assimilated all the tribes. So to touch back on the mystery in the Andes Mountains, um, Mm -hmm. I want to touch on some interesting facts of the mystery. So to give you a good picture, I think we should definitely post, I'm going to connect a few photos with this podcast because they're must-sees to understand what I'm referencing. Um, and what I'm going to try to do right now with you, Jacob, is I'm going to try to share my screen, um, and I'm sure. going to try to bring up some of these photos so you can look at them when I'm uh, 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 describing it. But yeah, let's do it. Um, so I know podcast listeners can't see it, but you know at least I'll be able to describe it and see it as well. Yeah. Um, so, like I mentioned before, um, it is a. V, inverted V. So imagine an inv- I'm going to try to describe this for the people on, on the podcast. Imagine an inverted V, um, and it's sliced into the middle of uh, a mountain, like a valley. Okay, there's a valley, and then on one side there's like a big mountain, Andy's Mountain, and in the side of it, perfectly cut, is a V-shaped um, inverted V, uh, so like a dome, um, right. into the side of the mountain. And at the back of the cave... Um, it's all kind of broken down because of earthquakes or whatever was at the back of the cave. So we can't really, can't really go far into the cave, but just at the front, right? So the measurements, there's a, there's a main portal at the very front, which is smooth, like pretty crazy stuff here. Okay. Um, it's smooth and it's like this big square. Um, and the measurements of the main portal of the Nabahaka aren't random. So, I'm going to try to bring this up for you, Jake. I'm sorry that I'm, uh, I think I spelled this wrong. Um, there we go. That will bring it up. Okay. So I'm going to share my screen now with you. And for those who are listening, um, make sure you are checking out the photos. So there we go. Okay. <laughs> there we go. So you see the inverted V shape I'm talking about, right? This V. I do. I do. So now look to the left. See this portal here? Yes. Isn't that isn't that just mind blowing? First of all, just as a visual, there it is. This is a better photo. I was like, could you zoom in on that photo? Yes, I would have to zoom in on my screen as well. Yeah, that's pretty. Um, I'm going to click here. through some of these. Uh, here we go. This is the perfect. This is where I get a lot of information. Um, there we go. So these measurements. So you see what this big portal, right? That? Well, it's not random. The measurements of this aren't random. Okay, okay. so. They conform to musical notation. The length to the height ratio is three to one, which makes a perfect fifth in the second octave. The ratio of the alcove itself is five six, a minor third. Um, and the ratio five to six is both unusual and filled with specialist information. It perfectly describes the movement of the earth, whose pole completes a one full rotation of its axis every 25,920 years. Um, while the plane of the equator tilts four degrees every 21,000 years, a ratio of five to six, um, this accurate circulation of the motion of the planet is also encoded in other unusual temples that we know of uh, throughout the world, like the Bent Pyramid of Egypt, whose slope angles encode the same ratio. 
Um, okay, okay, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need to stop you right here because okay, okay. I need I need okay. a dumbed down version of this right here. You're telling me so like th- these ratios we can create a three note song with the dimensions of this tunnel. It's the ratio. So you see see the see the outline yes. cr- the cut yes. here and then this cut. This cut is at a three to one ratio. Okay. So that's and you're how you're telling me that somehow it relates. To it relates other to musical notation, because? correct, and other sacred. As you know, well. some people call it sacred geometry, right? Because there's sure. just the geometry of the world and how things operate, or is in math and how we encode. You know, we can just like with the pyramid that we talked about in one of the first podcasts we ever did on Egypt, how supposedly through the measurements of the Great Pyramid of Giza, you get the circumference of the Earth encoded in like right. the size by the math of it right in the numbers and so yes. uh, it's the yeah. same kind of um operation here where okay. um it's a three to one ratio and it's how we relate it to a musical notation meaning uh just how that operates on a scale human scale in music it's just an interesting okay. fact i immediately you immediately made me think of uh was it encounters of a third kind where like you're just gonna have you could like play those three notes that it creates and then it opens a portal in the back of it. Well, you never know. You, you never know. I wonder if anybody's <laughs> brought a piano. Other dimension. I wonder if anybody's brought a piano. Um, uh, but we're but gonna... also, why is the back have, it has a, uh, for those who can't see it, the, the back part of it, like this tunnel is on one of the inside walls of this V shape. And the backside is like filled in. Like there's a, um, like an it avalanche or something. In. It just looks like there was a man-made wall. Well, it also it, it's suspected to be an avalanche, and earthquakes over the years have brought down whatever this went into, um, and okay. so you can't really go farther back into the cave. But this was a really mm. interest. Like, if there's anything that captures your imagination, I clicked on this. I was going research, and I went, "What in the world?" And you have to understand also the location is important. This is on the side of. I wish I can get an aerial view. This is on the side of almost the middle of nowhere in the Andes Mountains. It's like a valley, um, and it's just up the side of a sheer cliff. This is where this was carved. Okay. So you take from that what you will, okay? Right. Um, now, like I already mentioned, the, the, the ratio of the cuts and how it relates to different things in other, in other this is, locations. This is some Indiana Jones type shit right here. It is. I felt like I was. And honestly, all it makes me want to do is like I I understand historical things and like you don't want to disturb any of that. But I'd be digging the shit out of the back of that cave. I wonder how stable. Trying to clear out and try to make that stable to figure out what was in the back of that. Yeah. No. I. I, What's inside that room? Because what's inside that cut, Jeffrey? Are you telling me there's no room? Um, I don't know. There could be something in the back. I, I would assume it would lead to something, but you don't know. I, I, I have no clue, but I would want to do the research, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, so if it was safe. that you've read <laughs> has described what's inside that door. Oh, no, this door leads to nowhere. This is this is the oh. interesting part, and there's a reason. We think there's a reason for that. So, okay, okay let's talk about for a minute, though, where this is at, like I mentioned. Um, so dominating the unique environment of Nabahaka is the cave ceiling, right? So let me pull up okay. a better better um, photo of it. Well, you can kind of see it there in that photo. I'll post this, guys, I promise, for those listening on our uh, Twitter really, and Facebook. Man. See how smooth that is? Okay. So the Nabahaka is the cave ceiling, yes. right? It's been ev- expertly sliced Almost like butter. This is, again, some other people's words they've used. Um, you take yeah. from it what you will. Bear in mind that this w- is at an altitude of 9,800 feet um, on the side of a ravine and smoothed, smoothed with laser-like preci- precision to create two different yet specific angles, okay? 60 degrees okay. and 52 degrees. There is only one other place on Earth where these two numbers appear side by side. And it's the slope the pyramids. angles of the two major pyramids at Giza. Ah, uh, <laughs> I see. What, what, does back, what does this mean? What does this mean? Obsession with Egypt. It does. It does all come back. We from are me. all. <laughs> this podcast. Is, that's all it is. It's some guilty, a dirty way to bring up every <laughs> conspiracy and is. mystery around the Great Pyramids of Egypt. Um, of course, we're, we're right back where we started. But I can't help it. I didn't. Again, I didn't do this on purpose. This 
no, caught I know. my attention. And again, I'm kind of unveiling it, how it unveiled for me when I was doing the research and finding all of this information out, which blew my mind. And I was intrigued for hours, um, just reading, gathering notes, gathering resources of where, um, you know, other people have, have uh, gone to this cave. It is a tourist site, so we can go. I think we should make an attempt sometime in the next few years to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it would be fun. Um, but again, so like I already mentioned about the back kind of caving in, uh, which it's suspected that the violent earthquakes that regularly happen in the region um, that have ex- basically exact taken a fair shit of, uh, share of damage uh, on this structure and these structures that are here. Um, so okay. you can see some of it. We also know that was torn apart by looters thinking. So again, I'm going to pull up this other photo and this, this was the real one that blew my mind. Okay. Um, okay. There's this other anomaly that was also here. Okay. Uh, and it's is this on the outside. Where is this? Right uh, at the entrance, location? right at the entrance. So like, here's this photo. See this photo, see the side. Um, yes. at the very entrance, there is okay. a monolith of sorts. Um, it's an another another anomaly to be examined uh, by the temple. It's crater picked the exact spot on the side of the mountain where exists a single outcrop of bluestone. So it a, a bluestone appears in stark contrast with the surrounding sandstone. Bluestone so, contains a type of crystal that was used in early radio receivers for its excellent. Um, I can't say the word, but there's a electric qualities. Um, the ro- rock sure. is also magnetic. Conductive qualities. Right. Yes. And another useful feature for shamanic journeying. So people think... So with these portals that lead to nowhere, it's kind of similar to the, the structures of Egypt, right? You have the portal out of the Egypt that your soul was to go through, and there was a fake door in some of those catacombs. Um, this could definitely be a tomb. Like it, it looks like it could have been like a closed-off tomb of some sort. Maybe, maybe. Um, <laughs> it does to me, at least. Yeah, which is, yeah, again, you could take from it what you will. There's so many questions here, though. And so, right, bluestone is important uh, because it was specifically chosen to build the oldest part of the Stonehenge. I want to mention that. Um, okay. Again, leading its architects to source uh, this granite 150 miles away in Wales. You know, that was where they grabbed the bluestone for uh, some of those rocks and um uh, the Stonehenge. The Stonehenge. Right. Yeah. So this, the connections to the material also matter to me because okay. I feel like that reveals something that the builders, uh, who someone built this, right? Someone knew what yeah. this was. They either found this source of blue stone here and thought it was, it could be some mythical, maybe it was some practice, maybe they used it somehow. Who knows? I don't know. But it's so interesting to me that I had to bring it up. And you notice on this picture, I like I posted for those listening, it the top of this kind of uh, structure, which almost looked like three seats or three entrances, uh, yes. is broken off. That's because at one point, um, I don't want to miscategorize this, but I think it was the Spanish explorers. Some people thought there was some structure here, right? And they thought it was like a treasure chest and that. They there's got to be something on the inside, um, and so they yes, started breaking apart the top. And uh, bluestone is rather um, hard to get into, <laughs> so you can notice it. Let they left you know all this where we can kind of still see the structure, um, but basically a lot of it was breaking broken down, thinking that there was something at the center of this structure. Um, okay, and so that's why we you see the damage there. So who knows what it looked like at the top? Who knows. We just you see this bottom portion. Um, right. But the three-step design um, also defines the Andean view of the universe. So um, the creative underworld, right? The physical middle world, and then the ethereal uh, other world. The concept, which is idealized in the uh, Shikana, commonly known as the Andean cross. Uh, Shikana literally means to bridge or cross, and it describes how the three levels of existence are connected to each other by a hollow reed, um, a culturally shared concept in ancient Persia, Egypt, the southwestern United States, and the Celtic world. The oldest iteration okay. of d- the design is carved on a monolith at Tiwanaka, um, the world's oldest temple complex, and it differs from the later version in that it is based not a square, but a rectangle with, again, the ratio of five to six. 
Okay. So. <laughs> so they believe it could be a religious. Uh, it could be religious find. It could be a religious find. It could. It, there's so much mystery around it, but it drew me in immediately. Um, and again, people think again for uh, like you said, we know Bluestone has different qualities and yeah, connected qualities, and it it stands out amongst the sandstone, and it's on the face of the cliff. Who knows? Maybe it was the there was a someone stumbled upon Bluestone and thought this was a special site that they had to get to the bluestone maybe it was a rare uh type of quality who knows maybe it was used for something we don't know how but it was used yeah. back then it's it's possible because i know that uh the recent discoveries with stonehenge as well um with that being that they have um looked underneath the huge stones that are standing on top of the ground yeah uh for the first time and realizing that there there's more and it's bigger yeah. underneath it and there's several more layers they truly do believe that it is a like a astrological map yeah. for them. Uh, so I wonder if that has any connection with this as well. It may be. It feels like the ancient worlds were obsessed with understanding what was past, you know, with the planets and stars that they could see. Yeah, there's definitely and, something going on here that we don't either currently practice or got lost to it's practice. It's very possible that that, was, uh, that is something, you know, uh, related to all those other things as well. Yeah. Just like how the pyramids supposedly line up with, you know, uh, what Orion's belt, mm -hmm. um, similar things. Like maybe this was just another way that they could, uh, connect to the, uh, yeah. yeah, connect those things, which is what, uh, which is what so badly, was, uh, which is what pulls at me every time I hear, the word, the the math that's used, the sacred kind of connections to things in the out, like in the space. So, like the connections to right. the locations, the the math of it, all of that pulls me in immediately. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sucker for the because we don't do that really. We don't do the the structures based on the connections to something greater than just we need a house here or we need Amazing. a structure here. Freemasons um, do. Yeah, I guess they did, didn't they? I wonder if right? there, there's like, a bit. <laughs> isn't isn't that their mo in some way? I I think uh, yeah. I don't I don't know. We talked about the Masons, but we didn't really get into uh, their I sacred they have certain structures, building practices that they do. Um, which I think again, I don't think they're astrologically based, but I'm sure that they have a certain um, theory or reasoning behind them that they have personally for their group. Yeah, but uh, that's the only thing I can think of, like out, you know, that people use those specific measurements to represent other things, like otherworldly. Yeah, there's like there's got to be a connection to. It feels like they're doing it with a purpose. The purpose is in trying to be in alignment with something greater than themselves when they build these type of structures, like the Pyramid of Giza, with those other structures that are so otherworldly to look at from just even on the human level it feels like there's sure. the purpose of it always intrigues me more than even the structure it could be a, a like a it could be nothing the structure could be nothing but the reason they did it always baffles me when we find the connections to greater things than our like there's a purpose there that we don't i feel like is lacking or maybe isn't prominent at or got lost um, and so that's what makes me even more interested in this kind of it's, work. It's kind of an art form. Um, 100%. It's not, because again, like when you're building for necessity and not, you know, you're not building everybody's homes on certain like things that represent, you know, otherworldly, like where the stars are positioned or certain mathematical phrases based on um, things that aren't structural. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And uh, also there's the no reason to. Yeah, and these were, we definitely, I feel like we can assume from a lot of the other uh, structures as well that a lot of it was for spiritual practices as well, like the Stonehenge, right? You're connecting to the co like the cosmos, you're connecting there. So there's something yeah, it here. Was like a calendar for some sort for them. Yeah, the, it uh, may. Visual representation. Watch it be nothing. Watch it be like, oh, we needed a big calendar to understand what, what the seasons were coming, that kind of thing, and maybe there was a way to do that. Um, okay, so. Back to are it. You tell me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that are you telling me this is where? Oh, got plane coming through. I can't I hear the hear plane, that. so you're fine. We can't you can hear. Probably it. hear it through my end. <laughs> you can't hear it, guys. 
I'm in denial. You can't. Well, if you want me to, I can continue on because there's so much to get into. I've scratched, Jacob. I've only scratched the surface. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying, like, are you are you suggesting that this deity had something to do with this? I'm suggesting, yes. I'm suggesting, um, okay. it, yeah. I'll get. I'm about to get. I'll touch on it. <laughs> All right. Actually, we're at the 30 minute mark already, and I feel like I've, already I said Holy nothing. Shit. Do you want to take a quick yeah. break and we'll uh, get started again? Yeah, let's do it. All right. And we're back. Thanks for listening to that ad, if there was an ad in the break. I don't even want to talk about anything else, so I'm going to get back into it, if that's okay with you, Jake. There's so much to get into. Yeah, well, you have to give me the reason now, because, like, you've set this up. I have. This really cool thing. So, like, what is it, Jeffrey? Where did this thing come from? What the fuck does it do? Where does it lead? Well, I'm not going to give you... I I can't provide you answers to a mystery that all of us are in mystery mystery together with. (laughs) But I do have some some connection. So it seems that the Nabahaka was designed by Cosmic Mason, right? For anything wishing to access another level of reality. That's kind of the assumption here. Um, And communicate with gods, which back in the day were either forces of nature or elevated people who personified or understood how to control such forces. Now I'm going to start quoting some of these um, other pieces of articles and information that I found. So... None of this is like opinion based, but I'm going to be touching on a bunch of stuff here. Okay, um, so as to the identity of the architect, okay, yes. Did you have a? I thought you had What's a that? question. No, I don't have a question. Okay, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> you raised your hand. Uh, I'm sorry. As to the identity of the architect, mainly a lot of these structures that are these type of mysteries in the region are per- pushed at the feet of the Inca. Um, but after okay. some deeper research, even the Inca can be dismissed uh, based upon the Inca stonework that pales in comparison in both scale and quality. Um, they merely inherited and maintained a culture that was, by their time in the 14th century, already long vanished. That's this okay. thought process that I'm operating on here. So even ancient Amira, um, sorry if I said that wrong, claimed such temples like this one in the middle of the Andes Mountains were made long before the Inca. Okay. So the style of stonework at the Napahaka is consistent with those found in Cuzco, uh, similarly like Puma Punka, P- Punku, sorry. Now to touch, uh, let me just touch on the Puma, uh, Punku <laughs> uh, Wait a site. Second, you just said, okay, so you're saying this predates Inca, even though this, that's typically where people like to lay this stuff because of the area. Because of the area and because that was the biggest uh, technology, the most advanced civilization in the time to- at the time, like during right. this period of time that we can uh, basically throw, say they did it. That's kind of what okay. a lot of this work and stonework, because they did have great stonework. A lot of their megalithic b- structures are pushed and are done by the Inca, but some of these ones that stand out even gr- more so um, can also get you. It's easy to overlook is all I'm saying. And you, we right. normally push them at the feet going, well, they just did it. But there's even right. text supposedly that some of these greater structures and things and uh, like this one, the Napahaka, were there before. Okay, so Long I just want to make sure to touch on that before you went ahead and touched on something else because you you're very excited about this. I can feel I can feel you trying to reach all the directions. Well, so I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just touching on a bunch of things and I'm going to try to tie it up at the, at the oh, end gotcha. with some of this stuff. Um, and we'll, we'll get go for into it. That. I was just making sure I was good myself. Yeah. So the Puma Punku is the name of a large temple complex located near Tiwanaka, okay, um, in Bolivia. Okay. And it's part of a larger archaeological site. The temple's origin is a mystery, but based on the carbon dating of organic material found on the site, archaeologists believe the complex may have been built by the Tiwanaka Empire, one of the most important civilizations prior to the Inca Empire that flourished okay. between 300 and 1,000 A.D. Now, the most intriguing thing about the Puma Punka is the stonework, um, and it was a terraced earthen mound originally faced with megalithic blocks, each weighing several tens of tons. The red sandstone and andesite stones were cut in such a precision way that they fit perfectly into lock with each other without using mortar. Um, the technical okay. fin- finesse and precision displayed in these stone blocks really just kind of mind-blowing again it's a similar thing to some of the work at egypt where not even a razor blade can fit 
in between the rocks. And some of these blocks right. are finished to machine quality. And there's holes, which I found really interesting, drilled to perfection, right? This was supposed to have been mm-hmm. achieved by civilization that had no writing system and was ignorant of the existence of the wheel. So what I'm trying to propose here is yes. that what, the, what I'm not trying to propose, what I found to stumble into this proposal is that there was a civilization pre-Inca that built some of these incredible works that were farther along than we believe them to be. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and there's a reason for that. And, and it connects to Veracocha. We, we, we can, I can connect it to Veracocha through um, different stories. I'll, I'll touch on here in a second, but I do want to bring up just some photos here for you. Again, this is interesting. Um, sure. Where uh, I'll try I, to describe them as I see them. Yeah. Um, again, we, this might be a good time to, yeah, look at some of this work here. Um, so I'm I'm going to be posting this as well. So look at this work, okay? Uh, this site is just incredible for those who just even want to look up. Uh, if you just type in the words P-U-M-A, P-U-N-K-U, um, you'll find some incredible images of the work done at this site. And again, it's attributed to this civilization that supposedly had no writing, no language, no not no language, sorry, no operation of the wheel, like... Just we think of them as a really base society, and supposedly they built these type of structures. And when you look at them, they look like machines that cut these stones. Do they not to you, or yes, they did to me? They do. They actually look like perfect uh, triangles and uh, things cut, carved out of the rock as well. Like that, those look like perfect shapes to me. Yep. That's just from the image. And then the, I see the line uh, that they're referencing there of you know, drilling holes there. And those are perfectly six, uh, I think, uh, six millimeters apart, these little holes. That's when you measure them, which is kind of crazy. Um, But anyway, to touch on that, I wanted to just point that out. Again, all to try to put this at the feet of a different civilization that isn't the Inca, that isn't the ones we typically throw at. Um, and okay. so that's another site that's near in the same area, right near Tiwanaka, which I've mentioned, uh, Viracocha is a similar God that's, you know, in that area, that's the, the deity. Um, right. and so based on cir- circumstantial evidence, it can be argued that the Puma Punku was never built by the Tiwanaka, but by a civilization that was more advanced. Perhaps the carbon dating results were wrong or contamination to the samples, perhaps, uh, even Basically, I'm just dumb this down instead of reading yeah. through this whole thing that I read that blew my mind. Um, was built by another civilization. That's the essence of this thought here. Um, that came across the ocean, perhaps. Maybe they built the complex and left. Who knows? But that's what it points to to me, and that's what it pointed to for a lot of these people who went to these stoneworks and found all of this machine-like quality where it felt it couldn't just be from the Incan Empire. It couldn't just be from an empire that supposedly had in our current understanding, no basis of the wheel, none of these things that we feel like would be needed to, to do this kind of work. Um, and so (laughs) I do want to venture into, um, what the sites have in common and all of the sites have in common is the myth Mm -hmm. of a traveling builder. God named Viracocha. Okay. So at all of these sites, there's stories of a traveling builder god named Veracocha, who, deca- who right. together with the seven shining ones, part of the myth, right, appeared at Tiwanaka after a catastrophic world flood. Which is talked about <laughs> in every single in religion. Every single religion the across the world, right? Like so Which many. We texts. know we can verify around the time that they claim there be claiming to be a great flood that there is in soil samples. We have confirmed that that has happened. Yep. So I just want to put that out there. Okay. So okay. this is the rope-a-dope that I pulled you in with, right. right? I pulled you in with the structures that what is this? Sure. All to try to lay at the feet of, to try to, to try to aliens. push you to, <laughs> <laughs> to try to push the of listener. Ancient aliens that came down to help build the pyramids. We know. Yeah. Right. Is that, is that what you're going? Yeah. But that would be the easiest answer. I think, I think the okay. answer is more complex than that, which is what makes it 
hard to Atlantis. Are we talking Atlantis? <laughs> Who are these people? No, I think okay. So I just want to say this that you know the world flood you're talking about. Supposedly yes. that a world flood could be dated so could be dated to around the time of well the story at least of Viracocha arriving. It could be dated to mm-hmm. around nine thousand seven hundred and uh three BC. So before Christ. Okay. Okay. Um and I know I talked about this a lot, but John Hancock has a great book. Um, he has great research and great understanding of this type of subject that I've just been a student of and never a teacher. So if I'm miss uh, saying something or, or uh, leading someone astray, I apologize. But that's the information as I know it. Um, yeah. And so his theory, I just want to touch on his so, theory, that there was a okay, great ca- catastrophe around the time of in this time period, which we can, we found evidence of a comet that hit, um, that could be an explanation for why a civilization that was more advanced could have gotten wiped out and had messenger. Again, I'm going. This is speculation. Okay, so it's all speculation. Sure. But basically, okay. the thought being, a higher civilization that was not Incan Empire and another empire was more prevalent before them, created some of these structures, um, and a catastrophe happened. And they had to rebuild who would survive. And that kind of rebuild would be the hunter-gatherers. You restart your tribes and you rebuild back up society. So that's okay. kind of the thought process. Okay. Got you. By the <laughs> way, um, so I'm just trying to connect the dots too as well. Do they, uh, do you know when scientists have confirmed in the soil samples about, uh, I believe the Great Flood is referenced in Gilgamesh. Is that what it is? I'm unsure. Am I so. completely off base? Of That's the name of uh, a piece of paper that's even separate than the Bible about a great flood, a great catastrophe yeah. happening like this? I don't know. I don't, that's, again, I've just started diving into this, wor- this world, so that probably connects somehow to these dates and times. Um, yeah, I'm just interested to see if those line up with what you're even talking about as a great flood um, during yeah. that time, because that is throughout all of... Every single, like, it doesn't matter which religious background you come from, in in your book you have um, a There's, good flood. Yeah, speaking of a flood, yeah. No, yes. yeah, it's crazy how that similarity carries over. Um, but the the other similarity, which I do want to touch on, because, again, we're at 42 minutes. We got, I mean, I guess we can go as long as we want to, but there's so much here mm-hmm. that I want to try to fit in before the next episode, or maybe we can leave off a sure. lot for the next episode. Uh, whenever I think I'll do it the, the week following your episode next week, um, give yeah, some suspense it takes as long as it takes. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's information that I want to get out just because I'm so excited, uh, that I stumbled into this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so again, like I said, the one shared common theme throughout these, uh, sites is the legend and myth of a traveler building God named Viracocha. Um, okay. and so, this is some of the text that is spoken about Viracocha, okay? And it says, yes. There came from a southern direction a white man of great stature, who by his aspect and presence called forth great veneration and obedience. This man who thus appeared had great power, insomuch that he could change plains into mountains, and great hills into valleys, and make water flow out of stones. As soon as such power was beheld, the people called him the maker of created things, the prince of all things, father of the sun, for they say that he performed other wonders, such as giving life to men and animals, so that by his hand marvelous great benefits were conferred on the people. And in many places he gave orders to how men should live life, live life, and he spoke lovingly to them, admonishing them that they should do good and that they should be love and charitable to all. And in most parts he is called Tiki Veracocha. Um, and that wherever he came, there were sick and he healed them, and that wherever they were blind, he gave them sight by only uttering words. Now this is a recount of a Catholic historian from 1550 called Pedro uh, de Siza de Leon. Um, I do want to make that a... He obviously wasn't there. He's he's just getting the password. Again, the pass down of the information. But does that not sound like another religious figure that we know of? Sounds a little bit like Jesus to me. Does it not? (laughs) Healing the blind. So um, being able to bring back the dead. Yeah. You know? Um, and like, it's really interesting. Um, there's a whole article that I went down and I'm going to touch on here where okay. there's similarities 
that almost like how much of it is coincidence? How much of it could be actual, um, actual action? <laughs> like how much of it could yeah. be actually a person like this did come and maybe the person is the same person that we are talking about. We're going to touch on that. There's some, or, there's a few, oh, few okay. threads out there that connect it. Suppose <laughs> again, follow me, please follow me. And we'll no, do- no, no, <laughs> I, I'm following you. My brain's just going down another, its own little pathway now where like, you're going to tell me next that um, there's a theory that believes that like, <laughs> not to, the not say Veracocha is Jesus crazy. Christ. But yeah, but Veracocha <laughs> is belongs to a race of people. Maybe do I don't. Well, I don't know and about not that. just one person. Who I, I who knows? I have no clue. But I'm just going to follow the 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 thought here, and you stick with me. Tell me what you think. Um, <laughs> I'm sure there has to be some sort of YouTube conspiracy about this. Yeah, I'm sure there that is. I'm going to go. Binge I hope right I don't at. sound like a loony. I'm trying to find as <laughs> I tried to get as much real evidence off of articles and citations that connected yeah. all of this information. And there's a lot of people that have made the same connections, and I've been trying to be studious and not just willy nilly with throwing some information out there. Okay. So right. please okay. don't hate me for following my no. ad- sense of adventure here. <laughs> I don't. I don't. So no, I, I I dig it. I dig it. I'm interested. Uh, it's a very like again. This is a rabbit hole, man. It is a rabbit hole, and I I love it though. I love it so much. So let's just continue on. Everybody likes a mystery. Come on. Yeah. Um. So Veracocha was the principal deity, which we've talked about already, of ancient Peru, yeah. and according to the Chronistas, which were, I'm going to butcher that name, but they were Catholic historians, mostly priests, who arrived in Peru shortly after Francisco Perez, uh, Pizarro um, and the conquistadors okay. in the 1500s. Um, he was called at the time the great uh, creating god of the Andes, right? Viracocha. Um, and the right. Chronistas, which were the chroniclers, historians, uh, learned of and wrote about Viracocha based on oral accounts that they received from the Incas and the study of Inca customs and practices that still existed at the time of the conquest of Peru. They also saw and described several stature, statue representations of Viracocha that were worshipped by the Incas, excuse me, and the ancestors. Significantly, many characteristics and actions of Viracocha reported by the Incas and documented by the, the chroniclers in the 1500s matched those attributed to Jesus Christ in scripture so mm. including the book of mormon account right the the bible right. Uh, the account of jesus christ visit to the americas did you know I, I i didn't know this about the book of mormon but supposedly in the book of mormon there was accounts that jesus uh visited the north american hemisphere or the north this american is, continent this is the first time i'm hearing so it. again i again i don't know i'm not going to pretend to know anything about the or book the of mormon context, right. right but essentially the there's connections there in that book, (laughs) but I'm not going to try to touch on them because I don't want to butcher it. So, but I just want to stick to what I do know and what I've found. So basically I just want to go ahead and say off the top, this article does not contend that the events, again, I'm reading some of this stuff, uh, that the events in the book of Mormon or the Bible took place in Peru rather that its premise is that Christ may have visited the ancient Peruvians as he did with other people in other locations, supposedly. Ooh, so this is one guy's theory, and this dude, uh, I read a whole article about it. He lays out a really good argument, and cool this dude is, is a college professor of, uh, he's uh, he's not a college professor, sorry, he's a historian uh, that lives in the area, I believe, and there's, uh, I, I can link the article that people should read, um, but he sure. makes this claim, and I want to touch on some of the, the similarities that baffle me. Um, okay. So, given the general, no, sim- I'm, in, yeah. I'm just enjoying sitting back and listening to all this. Sorry if I'm just uh, sorry taking if over. I'm, <laughs> if I'm being, well, no, I'm sorry if I'm like being that quiet. I'm, I'm really taking this in, and man, the idea that like, again, it's it's all complete theory. Yeah. But the idea that Jesus visited other areas um, that we don't know During about, his life. or like, can you imagine like what that would? Yeah, like. That's exactly what it'd be like. You stumble upon a person that could do all these like otherworldly things. Well, that's that's a theory. It's just a weird, yeah, concept. Well, it's a theory, and it's also there's also a theory that um, the people who 
you know, there's a lot of symbols uh, that represent uh, people holding bags in different civilizations that, um, mm-hmm. like, there's different meanings that can be attributed to these uh, sculptures that these people, whoever they were or whatever they were deemed as, right, We and some of these tribes are deemed as godlike figures, could have been humans from a past civilization that were advanced, that, were that got wiped out, advanced, and right. that there was right. a select few that were traveling, trying to restore the knowledge that they knew of to bring back culture, right? They were culture right. bringers, right? That was the idea of these, these um, uh, sculptures with people holding bags. Supposedly that was a representation of, you know, people who brought knowledge, who brought technology. And so these godlike sense. figures who held these bags could be a passive, again, it's pointing to that theory as well. Um, but I do want to touch on this, theory of Irkocha possibly being connected to uh, a prophet of sorts. There's a lot of interesting connections. So I just want to read su- okay. through some of this with our time that we have left. Um, sure. So now, however, because the, chronica- the chroniclers, right, is what I'm going to use because okay. as the chronistas, basically the 1500s historians um, from uh, Spain, were generally were not published until well after the Book of Mormon was published. I do want to mention that in 1830. At the time, Joseph right. Smith was translating the Book of Mormon in Pennsylvania and New York, and the chronistas, uh, the chroniclers' writings were securely in, uh, encased in Catholic archives in Spain at the time. So the connection that right, the creator of the Book of Mormon could have dabbled from these, these texts that somehow these connected stories. it to make it similar um, kind of don't match up with the time frame of these uh, stories weren't even public, right? They were in the the, the uh, safekeeping, basically, of the Catholic Church in Spain. Um, right. And so some have dismiss, dismissed that the chroniclers as writers who Catholica, Catholicized their accounts, ascribing Christ-like attributes to Viracocha because of their personal religious beliefs. Um, although this criticism might apply to some of the more enthusiastic writings of later chroniclers who came to the uh, came to the area to, you know, record this history of their God. Um, one of the Peru's foremost 20th century esper- experts on the chroniclers who documented those legends, Franklin Peace, concludes that four of the earliest chroniclers, Pedro and a few other names I'm not going to try to pronounce, um, <laughs> uh, basically they ev- that they almost dismissed some of these Christ-like fe- these, uh, features of their God that they described because it was almost trampling on their belief of God. And so um, that basically there's that line of thinking that it could have, these people who recorded these attributes could have made it like, like their, their God. But when in reality, a lot of it was dismissed because it was um, similar to their God and almost was kind of blasphemous that there was even a similar uh, thing happening here when they came to record it. Um, Or they didn't want any, uh, Shakiness in that belief, right? That did come out. And again, I just I do want to note that this uh, it's shaky because all of the information we do have is based on some of the, all of these chronicles who are recording the history of this. Right. Um, so again, we're basing Where this on. Where are they on, getting these? Are they traveling? Obviously, there. Yeah, yeah, that's what's happening. The people themselves. Mm-hmm. Yep, and they're recording right. their their beliefs again that were oral uh, traditions at the time, and because they didn't have a written language, so we can't go back and right. read it from them. So this is where we get our information. So I do want to mention that. Um, but echoes of Christ's appearance, as related similarly in the Book of Mormon, can be found in the accounts of Aircoach's visit that were handed down through generations of ancient Peruvians before finally being recorded by the Catholic chroniclers in the 1500s. For example. According to the, I'm again, I'm going to reference the Bible and the Book of Mormon because it's we're talking about the Christ figure. Um, to this continent uh, was preceded by great destructions through earthquakes, fires, landslides, um, falling mountains, rising plains, swallowed by earth and water, all followed by three days of thick darkness. Right, that's what's in the mm-hmm. Book of Mormon. And now, before Christ appeared, he announced from the heavens that certain cities had been dis- destroyed. Um, and there's a, a good line in there. I don't have to have to quote. But basically, there's similarities there. And given the belief that this maker of created things had power to change the face of the land, it's not surprising that the ancient Peruvians' chief god, Viracocha, was closely associated with both mountains and water. Um, so there's similarities in, the, again, just the speak of the god that they, they right. worshipped. The description. 
Right. It, it's even written in the name, uh, Viracocha, and what it means. Um, so similarly, the chroniclers reported accounts of the visit of this bearded white man wearing a body-length tunic, often white in color, and this description was in stark contrast to the usual appearance of the Incas, which were who were, wore short skirts, had darker skin, had little, if any, facial hair. Um, they also recount that this was Viracocha, who took upon himself a human form to visit those on Earth, right? That's what the oral fi- translation of what they said happened. Also, yeah, because it would contradict, obviously, like, Jesus Christ, where he was born. He wouldn't be, like, a white male. <laughs> You know, Again, I'm not so suggesting that, that but there's similarities in the fact of how I think that the more interesting thing that hit me was how connected it can be even to maybe it was just maybe it was like a prophet of later, time, yeah. you know, maybe that did travel. Maybe it was Fallen civilization. Who, kn- who knows? Who knows? But that still the the qualities that you describe your coach as and I'm, I'm referencing Christ because that's the figure that you reference with this type of, of healings and the type of like the Bible writes about him and other yeah. scriptures say supposedly about this figure, um, which was just and fascinating to me to, to realize. Um, but f- I wanted to touch on here uh, another uh, interesting fact, which was follow, th- there's a series of quotes extracted from the chroniclers accounts of the appearance of Viracocha in Peru. So this is the chroniclers taking account of what the Peruvi- the people said Viracocha looked like, right? And that was what they knew of. So all agree that Viracocha was the creator of these people. They have the tradition that he was a man of medium height, white, and dressed in a white robe, like an alb secured around the waist, and that he carried a staff and had a book in his hands. He went on his road and came to a place where many men of his creation had congregated. So that's one description from one guy. Another one says, a man with a long robe and marks in his hand, preached to them. He was a tall man dressed in white garment that reached to his ankles and was belted at the waist. His hair was short and he had a tonsor like a priest. They said his name was uh, Viracocha, um, which means God maker of the world in their language. This is again a direct quote from the chronicler of the 1500s. Um, and so Viracocha, this is another one, last one I'll touch on. Viracocha made them of his stature, which was, as they say, average height of men and being made, he gave them life. So that's another kind of touch on Viracocha. So other accounts from the chroniclers intimate, uh, intimate, uh, sorry, uh, intimate, I can't pronounce this word, that the Incas had an understanding of Viracocha's relationship with God the Father. So there's also a touch supposedly that the the relationship of who Viracocha was in their civil, their civilization was also a son of a god. So that there was reference that he was the prophet of a god, that he Viracocha was the creator of all things, but also the the almost the second in line type thing, and in that. Uh, so um, again, it connects to similar. To, yeah, <laughs> um, the same. Yeah, and so the similarities between Jesus Christ and Viracocha, as described by the chroniclers, are compelling enough that a number of the lesser chroniclers and later non-even Mormon scholars of the history of Peru concluded it is possible that one of Christ's apostles, perhaps, or himself came to Peru, and that Christ and Viracocha might be the same person. Now that's, again, I'm referencing the Book of Mormon. I'm, I'm not just touching on, like, which again can has its, I think, own, uh, you know, backstory, holes, whatever you want to put on the Book of Mormon. Of course. But I'm just and referencing it. Yeah, I'm... Context. I'm just referencing it as a point of note for the information that we do know from the chroniclers uh, that they believed of Viracocha and how it could connect to that, or just possibly the theory that this was a another person that was highly advanced, came through, and was believed to be a godlike figure. We don't know, but I'm just interested in these similarities, um, and so I feel yeah. like I have to mention that. There's a lot of connections here between all that stuff, which is really crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You want to know what I'll, okay. I'll put another aspect in there. We're reaching about an hour already, but there's still so much <laughs> to touch on. But I'll, I'll, well, that's I'll, why we're going to have multiple parts. We're going to have just, multiple parts. Whatever you do, make sure you know you little leave off a little something for us, a little something for me to chew until you know we can get back. To I, I would do that. I'll do that. But let me touch on one more thing here for you. So I okay. also thought it was interesting the similarity that 
The chroniclers were intrigued to find out that in addition to sharing a seemingly Christian view of repentance and forgiveness, um, the ancient Peruvians believed in a resurrection and afterlife. That uh, Molina wrote, for instance, in quotes, they believed and were very sure that the souls did not die and that those of good people went to rest with the creator. Those who went to heaven would eat and drink with great splendor. The refined goods of the creator had arranged for them. Um, and Prescott also reported they admitted the existence of the soul thereafter and connected with this a belief in the resurrection of the body. And this belief in the resurrection of the body led them to preserve the body with so much solitude. So again, another similarity that points to the, either the religion of the Christ, right? Something was going on here that similarities seem to match up, and it's right f- not in the same place that you'd not in a place you'd expect, right? Which I thought was <laughs> mind blowing, mind blowing. And again, a lot of yeah, this, this is, is just um, research and stuff I want to keep digging on. And again, we're at the hour mark. I'll kind of sh- start shutting it down. But there's one man I have not mentioned. Okay. <laughs> and that's and that Queto, is... Quetzalcoatl. Yes. Um, and again. That's a name I've heard of. So basically I want to touch on this and we can wrap this up. Um, and okay. I'll leave a lot. I have so much that I, I'll, I'll leave for the next podcast I'm, we'll do. I'm sure there is. Um, but essentially in conclusion to a lot of these similarities that people can find in Veracocha and the beliefs that were written about him and to Christ in the Bible and the Book of Mormon is that the Peruvians viewed the Creator God in the same ways, and some mainly the same ways as Christ is described in the Bible um, and other scripture. Although some of the lesser chroniclers who reflected on the possible origin of the legends of Viracocha concluded that he was either an apostle of Christ or came to um, right convert the area or was Christ himself, well, we don't know. But there is more. On the next part of this episode, we will dive into the similarities of Quetzalcoatl and Viracocha himself. Um, And then that kind of gives us a three-man army there of Quetzalcoatl, the similarities between the Christ-like figure. They could all be the same person. Who knows? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's so, it's too, there's so much information here. Um, And I'm just excited that I'm finally able to regurgitate some of the information that I've always been interested in the last year of doing my own uh, reading. So that was a nonstop me talking episode. I'm sorry if I just ran you (laughs) over. There's so much to touch on. No, you're fine. You're fine. No, I was, I was, I was interested and I uh, I can't wait to post all those pictures. Those, those looking at those structures are fascinating. And I know you guys can't see them when we're describing them uh, at the very beginning, but man, you should check them out because they make all the difference. Uh, and I hope I don't sound like a loony. Is... I'm trying no. <laughs> not to sound like a loony. I'm trying to be studious about this. I'm trying to not just throw conclusions out there. What I'm trying to pose is really just information I found to be super fascinating. And I want yeah. people to look it up themselves, see what they find, come back to me, tell me I'm wrong on something. This is just information as I found it. And I wanted so badly to share it in the best way I could. So uh, yeah, I just, think you did a good job. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. No, I'm excited for a part two. Yep. Now I just got to figure out what I'm doing this. We're going to do that. Week. We'll do that yeah. the week after. So leave them waiting okay. one week where you do yours. And then the next week after I'll come back with part two. Wait too, man. Yep. A lot of information. I'm not going to s- speak to you about it for two weeks. You know that. So yeah, I know you all. <laughs> Don't come you asking all. questions. Like you didn't tell me. <laughs> Don't come asking questions yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it so much for sticking with me through this episode. Um, I'm excited right. to touch on the next one. Yep. Next week will be my episode uh, that we're going to be doing together. And uh, just thank you guys for listening. My God, I appreciate you guys so much and bearing with us during, you know, uh, trying new things and us like, you know, figuring uh, this stuff out where we can do this separately. But uh, yep. just know that we appreciate you immensely. Yep. I'm glad you're here, and thank you for sticking with us and all the new people that are listening. Thank you for making it this far. Yep, thanks for making it this far. We hope to continue to improve and create better content, more relaxed, more fun, more uh, advanced. We're trying to we're trying out different things here. We're not. This is a work in progress. I think you can tell that right. by our bio. We're not experts, but we're working on just 
trying to be able to, but, you know. Some would say, some would say we're trying to get more casual. Oh, okay. <laughs> We're trying to take big mysteries, make them digestible for myself, and yeah. hopefully be able to regurgitate it so other people yeah. can follow. They're mainly along. for me, you know, so that I can I can understand them. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it makes it more casual for the audience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Uh, this has been Casual History. That's right. <laughs>